When I was four years old, I desperately wanted to be a belly dancer. <laughs> My parents loved this, you know, whenever they would have friends over like you do, they'd have me come in the room and they'd say, Jenny, tell everybody what you want to be when you grow up. And I'd pull myself up to my full height and I'd say, a belly dancer, and everybody would laugh. I don't remember this, I've probably blacked it out, but apparently I was really serious about this. This was my big dream, you know? We still do this, don't we? We have big dreams for our work. Consider this letter. This was written to Mike Rowe from the TV show Dirty Jobs. Hey, Mike. I've spent this last year trying to figure out the right career for myself, and I still can't figure out what to do. I have always been a hands-on kind of guy and a go-getter. I could never be an office worker. I need change, excitement, and adventure in my life, but where the pay is steady. I like trying pretty much everything, but I get bored very easily. I want a career that will always keep me happy, but can allow me to have a family and get some time to travel. I figure if anyone knows jobs, it's you. So I was wondering your thoughts on this, if you ever get the time. Thank you. We expect our work to give us fulfillment and meaning and be a place where we can use all of our gifts and passions. We feel entitled to work that is going to help us um, put our unique stamp on the world, self-actualize ourselves, you know, create our unique vision, and pay us amazingly, and have great benefits, and a 401k, and the opportunity to work from home two days a week. We want adventure and steady pay. We have really big dreams for work. But for many of us, it's not happening. A 2013 Gallup report said that only 30% of American workers feel passionate or even enthusiastic about their work. And an article in the, the Times Sunday Review two weeks ago said that only 33% of us um, feel like we have opportunities to do what we do best or what we like the most in our work. If these statistics are true, then most of us are pretty unhappy with our work. And since we spend, on average, about a third of our lives working, that means many of us spend much of our lives kind of unhappy. I know how to bring up a room, don't I? <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't think the problem is work. If you look at the biblical narrative, from the very beginning, the first time we see God, he's working. He's creating the universe. And then, um, in the garden, we see work. Even before sin has entered the world, even before evil and punishment, there's work, so it must be a good thing. Adam and Eve are tending the garden. Adam's naming the animals. And then in other passages throughout the Bible, God uses work metaphors to help describe who he is. He describes himself as a shepherd, as a farmer, as a winemaker, as a builder, an architect, a potter. And then Jesus, when he comes to earth, he spends most of his life before he starts his three-year ministry doing a trade, probably carpentry. The gods of ancient Greece and ancient Rome ate and drank and laid around, and they made work a punishment for other beings. But the God of the Bible works and seems to think work is a pretty good idea. I don't think work is the problem. I think the problem is how we work and how we think about work. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about this. In Colossians 3, our main text for today, Paul writes, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. 
It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Some translations say, whatever you do, do your work heartily. The original word in the Greek means to do something out of your soul, out of the depths of who you are. Paul is saying that good work comes from a good heart. It's not about whether we find it personally fulfilling or meaningful or it expresses our highest view of ourselves or our deepest dreams. It's that we do excellent work because we serve an excellent God. This is much easier in theory than in reality. We can be guilty of Monday morning atheism. We believe in God, but we work like we don't. I mean, if God was sitting across from me, giving me things to do, watching me do them, and then checking them, man, I would be on it. I would be so productive, I would be getting so much done, I would be doing it so well, because God's looking at it, right? He's watching me work. Well, what this verse is saying is that, okay, in a big cosmic sense, that's true, but really, day to day, the guy who's checking my work is that guy two cubicles down, who's been over-promoted, maybe, right? He spends most of his time doing PowerPoint presentations where he just reads everything off the screen. I mean, it's hard to work out at the depths of my soul for that guy. But that's the point of this passage. This verse is saying that the boss might sign our paycheck, but the real rewards come from God. And by the way, the opposite is also true. At the end of this verse, it says God doesn't play favorites. Not doing work will also, not doing good work will also have consequences regardless of what your boss sees or what he comments on. Maybe you're the boss. I hope you're not PowerPoint guy, but maybe you lead a team or or an entire company. Or maybe you work in a really hostile environment to Christianity, either because of the type of work you do or the, the work environment, the culture you work in. Maybe you work at home taking care of your kids and you would love to have any kind of a reward for anything that you do. These verses apply to all of us because all of us were made in the image of God and all of us, therefore, were made to work like he does. So how do we work as if we're serving Christ? In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul revisits this idea. He says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. What does that look like? I think it starts by asking some different questions. A few years ago, uh, they did a study with students at Harvard University, and they asked them to make a hypothetical choice. They could either make $50,000 a year, or they could make $100,000 a year. No-brainer, right? We're going to choose option B. But there was a catch. If they chose option A, where they made $50,000 a year, they would be part of a group where other people made half of that, or 25 grand. And if they chose option B, and they made 100, they would be part of a group where many of them made twice that, or 200. So option B would have them doing better for themselves overall, but they would be doing worse than the people around them. The majority of students chose option A. They preferred to do better than the people around them, even if it meant getting less for themselves. They were focused on, how can I have more than someone else? And they missed the whole point. We do the same thing. We ask the wrong questions. We ask, how much money can I make? Or how can I compete with that guy down the hall so that during the next round of layoffs, he gets it and I don't? How can I make partner? How can I get that office? How can I get promoted? We ask, how can I get more of what's going to make me happy? And maybe what we should be asking is, how can God use this job to transform me? How does God want to work in me while I'm in this job? 
There's nothing wrong with making money and getting promoted. It's an amazing feeling when you finally get that raise or your hard work is recognized and you get a new opportunity. That's all good. But hear me. If you focus only on those questions, you're missing the point. Because your job is less about your work and it's more about how God's working in you. I read the letter to Mike Rowe from the man searching for his dream job, but I didn't read you his response, which is awesome. Here's part of what he wrote. Stop looking for the right career and start looking for a job. Show up early, stay late, volunteer for the scut work, become indispensable, and most of all, stop worrying about your happiness. Happiness does not come from a job. It comes from knowing what you truly value and behaving in a way that's consistent with those beliefs. I don't know if Mike Rowe is a Christ follower, but in this area at least, he gets it. If you're asking questions only about your personal happiness, you are missing the point. One of the hardest lessons I've had to learn so far in my walk with God is that God is much more concerned with who I'm becoming than whether I'm happy. Cheering up the room again. God is more concerned with who I'm becoming than whether I'm happy. And I believe this because if you look at the giants of our faith, people like Abraham and Moses, Mary and Joseph, John the Baptist, they did not have easy journeys. These folks accomplished a lot for God in their life. God used them to do great things, but they suffered. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Moses led a million whiny Israelites in the desert for 40 years. Mary and Joseph gave up probably their dreams for their own future and maybe their reputations to have Jesus. John the Baptist was eventually beheaded. And these were like the greats. These were God's favorites, right? And they had anything but an easy road. I don't think they sat around feeling happy all the time. How could they? Happiness is a great feeling, but it's temporary and it's based on what's happening around us, our external circumstances. And these circumstances, as they did the work God had called them to do, were not always happy. But joy is internal. No matter what's happening to me, I can choose to be joyful, which is great if you're a control freak like me, because it means I can't control my clients, I can't control my coworkers, I can't control my boss, but I can control whether I let God use it. The Persian poet and mystic Rumi, he said, when you do things from your soul, you feel a river moving in you, a joy. Sound familiar? When we work out of the depths of our soul, when we work heartily for God, we can have joy no matter what's happening. There's a reason we go for paychecks and promotions instead of character. Character's hard. But God is more concerned with who we're becoming than whether we get the perks and privileges that we want. This is difficult, but it can also be freeing because it gives purpose and meaning to all work, even if you don't like your job, even if you're having a bad day. If you're working as to the Lord Christ, as this verse says, then it matters. Good things might happen because your boss sees your good work, but either way, You're growing, you're pleasing God, and everything you're doing, even the little things, are becoming acts of service to God. Working as for the Lord also means working well, not cutting corners, doing things with excellence, whether people are watching or not, whether people are noticing. 
As a child, I had chores probably like many of you. One of my jobs was every Saturday I had to straighten my room, dust it, and vacuum it before I could do anything else. And every Saturday, every Saturday, I would dust around my stuffed animals and my art projects and my books instead of lifting them up and dusting under them, right? I hadn't thought about that in a while, um, but I thought about it again as I prepared this message because I came across a story um, from a pastor at a church in Chicago who asked a woman in his church how she knew she'd become a Christian. This woman happened to work as a maid, and she said, I know I'm a Christian now because now I sweep under the rugs. (laughs) I love that. Working out of our heart means we sweep under the rugs means being diligent even if no one's watching. It means doing things with excellence even if the job isn't that exciting to me. Again, this is hard. A few weeks ago, I pitched a a big $2 million publishing website concept to a bunch of investors in Denver. Since October, I had been researching the market and writing a business plan and doing the proposal and doing the presentation and, you know, I was ready, I did well. And all the guys in the meeting, they were like, oh, you did so great. These are such great ideas. But we're not going to do it. Right? I had worked so hard. And they weren't interested in moving forward. I thought, I thought this was going to be the next phase of my career. I, kind of my dream job, actually, if we're honest. And I thought this was going to help me make more money. And it was going to be, like, you know, pay off that last little bit of debt. And this was going to be my ticket. And I'd worked hard for it. And I was ready. It's not going to happen. It's a lot easier to accept that our work is about growth and transformation when things are going well. It was much harder to have that perspective on that plane ride home from Denver. And because I had already started thinking about being here with you today, I had to ask myself some hard questions. Like, was I really excited about this job because it let me serve God and serve other people and make a contribution in a new way? Or was it because it made me feel more important and probably make more money? Was I working so hard because I was working for God? Or was it because I wanted to impress this group of guys? And if I did good work and God was the only one who saw it, could that be enough? This isn't just about finding the silver lining in a disappointment. These are the really important questions. Because if we're really spending a third of our lives at work, that means work is one of the primary places that God can use in our spiritual development. Not church, not your friends, not your running club, not your book club. If you don't reframe your work as a place for pleasing God and becoming more like him, you are missing out on what God wants to do in your life. There's one more passage about work that I've always been drawn to. It's in Philippians 2. Paul says we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We need another whole message to unpack everything that that means. But basically what he's saying is that when you become a Christ follower, that's not the end of your journey. That's just the beginning. The rest of your life is about being made holy, becoming more like Jesus, one day at a time, one step at a time, one decision at a time. You may be able to point to a moment in your past when you became a Christian, But becoming like Christ is the work of a lifetime, and it involves all the aspects of your life, including your work. You may have heard of Billy Graham. He's preached to millions of people. He's been a spiritual advisor to presidents. 
And at the Billy Graham Library in North Carolina, there's a memorial garden where they buried his wife, Ruth Graham, a few years ago. And on the large tombstone there, they have her name, and they have the date of her death, and the date of her birth. And then they have these words, construction completed, thanks for your patience. See, she knew that working out your salvation was the true life's work. Whether you love your job or hate it, it's an opportunity for purpose and meaning because it's a way for God to transform you. This week, God wants to help you grow just a little bit. He wants to teach you something new. He wants to do the next bit of construction on your character. I hope this crowd doesn't fit the statistics. I hope you all are passionate and engaged in your work. I hope you are as happy as a four-year-old belly dancer. I hope you have a deep sense of calling. But whether you do or not, you are called every day to let the circumstances of your life help make you more like Jesus. And in that calling, you can have deep joy. I want to pray for you. God, we are so grateful to be made in your image with everything that that means. And we are grateful for our work, even if we don't like it right now, even if it's even if we're underemployed, even if we feel unsatisfied, because it gives us an opportunity to be like you and to become more like you. We ask, God, that you would reframe our perspective about work, that even this week you would start to do a new thing in us, that you would help us to be transformed in the workplace, to see that as a way that we can, um, we can grow into more of who you want us to be. We thank you, God, for the privilege of partnering with you in the work we do on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.